Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to get green. Doug Oster and Jessica Walliser are in the house. All natural. No pesticides. No artificial ingredients. The Organic Gardeners. News Radio 1020 KDK. All right, ladies and gentlemen, step right up. It is time for Doug and Jess, your organic gardeners. We're going to take the 10th caller right now to win a $25 gift certificate from Sorgles. That number is 412-922-1020. And if you have any gardening questions, I highly urge you to get on the phones early and often because it's going to be a busy hour now that spring is upon us and people are engaged in their gardens and getting ready to roll. It's 866-391-1020. Bank Instant Access, KDKRadio.com. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the stars of the show, Doug Oster and Jessica Walliser. Good morning. Good morning. I am Doug Oster from EverybodyGardens.com and the Tribune Review. And I am horticulturist Jessica Walliser. And happy Easter, happy everyone. Happy Easter, everybody. I love, Doug, that you wore your Easter bonnet this morning. Uh, I, 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 I wear it every lace, morning. <laughs> the frilly lace on it and the gingham ribbon is very pretty. Do you like the color? I do. It's beautiful. I could do without the Rolling Stones logo on it, though. But what are you going to do? <laughs> Oh, I'm so, so excited that I got uh, 11 flats started yesterday in the greenhouse. That was a good feeling to be out in the garden a little bit. I know you worked in the garden a little bit yesterday. It was such a nice day. That weather forecast, those stinks. I know. You, we were making faces at each other as they were uh, talking about uh, one to three inches of snow. Who I, needs that? I've had it. Yeah. Had well, it I want to know what did you, what seeds did you start oh, in those man, 11 flats? Oh, man, just everything flats. you can think of. Lots Mostly of, flowers or veggies? No, or? 50, well, mostly veggies, I guess. Okay. You know, I started my... Yellow torch sunflower seeds for Woo. you and us, for me, anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, lots of different tomatoes, greens, uh, you know, just everything you could think of, everything I could f- find, you know, that <laughs> I had sitting there. I started looking through the seeds. Oh, this, I'll start this, I'll start that, I'll start this. Threw, you know, a packet of lettuce seeds out in the cold frame mm-hmm. and uh, got peas up outside and in the greenhouse, which is exciting. Yeah. And I'd love to have my early peas. Now, those were the ones that you started on St. Patrick's mm-hmm. Day outside, and they're up already. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, you know, the the trick for me is I just have, I have these skylights, you know, like old 70s skylights, plastic skylights. I just throw those over the bed, and that makes a difference. Like a little cold frame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a picture I really like uh, yesterday, too, with the bee on a crocus. Nice. Uh, all covered in pollen. Oh, it's nice to see the crocuses blooming yesterday. I'm just glad the season's here. Yeah, uh, we have our first daffodils blooming at home. I feel like it's uh, it's later than it usually is, but I don't know that it really is. But it, it feels a little bit later. I feel, I feel like with that warm spell in February, and then it got cold again, and now they're calling for snow, more snow, and it's sort of like this long, weird, odd spring. One of my friends lives uh, up north, Butler County, and he got his crocuses blooming before his snowdrops this year for some reason. Oh, wow. And I I think I might be in the same boat. I mean, I've, I've got some snowdrops that are finishing now, mm-hmm. uh, but I had some early crocuses. I don't know why. Hmm. 
Well, and speaking of all those bulb plants, we know probably a lot of our listeners are getting bulb plants for Easter Sunday and probably get a lot of questions as to what to do with those plants when they're done blooming, like the potted tulips and daffodils and hyacinths and crocus and iris and all that well, good don't stuff. Don't forget the lily, too. And also the Easter lilies. Yep. And you should know that those are forced to bloom um, out of their typical blooming season. They're forced under particular light and temperature conditions to bloom, which does put a lot of stress on those bulbs. So when the bulb foliage dies back, you can move those bulbs back out into the garden, but the chances of them blooming again in subsequent years are pretty slim. You, you, you know, it's not only going to cost you five minutes of time to plant them out in the garden, but, you know, don't have too high of expectations because oftentimes they don't come back and return to bloom. The lily, though, the lily has a better chance yeah, of coming back. Yeah, it, well, sometimes. It won't bloom until the won't bloom until next summer if right. it does make it. Right. I've had them come back. You know, I always, if I get one, I always plant it and... It's sort of like, what do you have to lose? You already have it, so you might as well put it out there and and see what happens. If you can get it to survive, great. If not, you got to enjoy it in the house while you had the chance. I've got some things coming up next week. On Saturday at 11 a.m., I'll be at Penn Hills Lawn and Garden talking about getting started early. All the Everybody Gardens products are there at Penn Hills Lawn and Garden and lots of stuff to give away. Then Sunday, 2 o'clock, I'll be at the Butler Home Show. That's at the Family Sports Center on Route 68. And I have lots of free seeds, courtesy of John Sheeper's Kitchen Garden Seeds. Come out and see me. Both those events are absolutely free, uh, and I'd love to see you. All right, listen, ladies and gentlemen, you've got to get on the line because it's going to get very busy. You know, spring is their time of year. Lots of folks getting ready to start planting in the garden, and they're planning right now. And the best way to start is to give Doug and Jess a call. All of our lines are open at 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank, Kinston Access, KDKRadio.com. Congratulations to Mary Lee, the winner of our Sorgals gift certificate. Stay with us, folks. More to come on the Organic Gardeners in Moments on KDK Radio. Good morning. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This Radio 1020 KDKA. All right, ladies and gentlemen, back on the Organic Gardeners. If you would like to call and talk to Doug and Jess, 866-391-1020, dollar bank in Synaxis, KDKRadio.com. But now a very special guest on the Disc Institute of Pittsburgh Newsline. That's right. Our friend Steve Rapaski is here. He is the president of the PA State Beekeepers Association and runs a thing called Bee Control. Steve, how are you this morning? Good morning, everyone. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Thank you, Steve. How are you? I'm tired of cold and snow and rain. <laughs> Join the club. <laughs> I, I we would assume from that that you heard the uh, the forecast for this evening and tomorrow. Uh, you know, I was just like everybody was out in their gardens yesterday, staring and and wishing. I was out in my bee yards and watching some of the bees collect pollen and uh, taking note of some of the things going on and just wishing that the dandelions would pop up everywhere and the clover would pop up so that the bees could start their season and we can get going. And, uh, yeah, I'm done. Uh, April Fool's is April Fool's, but we don't need any more snow. I want the I want the spring warm weather to show up. Right, right. So how are the bees doing in general? You know, we're, we're still getting, uh, still having the issues that we've had the last 10 years. We're still experiencing colony loss. You know, some, the, the bees are dying off around 30 to 40% every year. Uh, the good news, more and more people are, are paying attention, and um, you know, there's lots of beekeepers out there, and we constantly get questions about how they can help help the bees. And uh, our answer is, is not so much just to keep bees, but to uh, you know do something for the bees, provide the habitat. You know, don't mow your lawns as frequently, leave the dandelions alone, leave the clover grow. And uh, I was 
anxious or excited to see yesterday the number of bees that were out besides the honeybees. A number of native species were out, like the mason bees and cellophane bees and several other really small ones. And those are just as important as pollinators. So we're encouraging people to uh, plant plant flowers, plant perennials that will consistently attract pollinators uh, to your garden, to your lawn, and uh, do what you can for the bees. That's that's the most important thing is to provide some nutrition and habitat for yeah, them. Yeah, what are some of your top plants for people to to grow to help the bees? Because everybody, you know, most people want to help the bees. Oh, there's hundreds and hundreds of species, as you guys know. Um, you know, some of the later summer species are more important because of the uh, lack of availability for forage later in the year. But I like the coneflowers. I love the Mexican um, sunflowers. Those are good for some of the natives. Uh, Maximilian sunflowers as a, a good um, uh, local uh, perennial. Uh, but then you get all the other, just the small plants that, that grow. I mean, take your pick of flowers, the crocus. You know, you talk about planting the bulbs um, earlier. Crocus are one of the earliest pollen sources for many of these species, not just honeybees, but the natives. And, uh, you know, these early, early growing flowers, these bulb flowers, provide a lot of pollen for these bees, which is very important for them to, to rear their young. So take your pick. Um, there's a lot of stuff out there, perennials, you cannot go wrong with. Well, and that was going to be one of my questions because you had mentioned, you know, the dandelions aren't blooming yet and the clover is not out and, and sort of those early blooming weed species. But other than the bulb plants, what are some, uh, I mean, are there trees that the bees use as forage very early in the season that are starting yeah. to open? Like what kinds of trees could people include in Absolutely. their landscape? Absolutely. Well, the, the, the maples are the earliest um, uh, tree species. Uh, you know, the guys that are collecting maple syrup don't want Bloom blooms on the maple because then that means their season is over, but that means our season starts. You know, so pollen um, it's found readily on, on a number of uh, maple species. Uh, then you get into the willows. Um, a number of willows out there produce a lot of early pollen. Even skunk cabbage, which is not you know it's a wetland plant and found in wet areas, but uh, certainly skunk cabbage produces a lot of pollen. But these early trees, the willows and maples and the oaks, um, we don't see a lot of those blooms because they're small. They're at the top of the, the tree at the edges of the limbs, uh, but the bees find it, and uh, those are very important. And then right after that comes the flowers. Now, the real question is, when you're going to be so crazy taking care of the bees, are you going to actually put a garden in this year? <laughs> you know, that's, I was actually standing in my garden debating, do I put a beehive or do I plant a garden? Neither <laughs> one would, Can't you do neither both? Neither one would get much attention. Um, yeah, it's, I, I actually am. I've um, hadn't had a garden for a few years just because of, of uh, bee control, my pest control business, as well as uh, the honeybee-ish stuff. But, uh, yep, I'm looking at it. Um, I've got some uh, weed barrier I'm getting ready to put down and some uh, new compost coming in. So we'll see what happens, see what I could grow and then manage to ignore. Well, just tell, tell him, uh, tell him instead of the weed barrier what he should use. Well, we, uh, well, yeah. So you're talking about putting that fabric down, landscape yeah. fabric. Yeah. So yeah. use newspaper instead, uh, yeah. because it, you know the microbes, the soil microbes will process that, and and right. uh, it becomes a good source of organic matter. Uh, you know, and then you don't have to take it and throw it away in the landfill. Yeah. But you have to read our columns first. So I mean, that's yeah, the rule, that's right? Yeah. Now, if I can only find my free time, but yeah, you know, right. you got to use that <laughs> and actually, where I use my weed berries is right around the edges because that's where I end up with where the lawn meets the garden and I yeah. just end up ignoring. So, but the rest of it, uh, I've hung around Doug way too long um, and, and know that I shouldn't be doing that type of stuff. So, I'm, you know, I got my, my, my plant source, my, my newspaper source, everything hopefully this year will go into place. And uh, last year I had a fantastic tomato crop. I just uh, 
didn't get around to it. Uh, just you know, a lot of it just stayed on the vines, which is uh, unfortunate. Oh. But uh, I know Doug's Doug's pulling his hair out there at that point. But uh, <laughs> what's, what, what's left of my hair? Right, yeah. tomatoes. Tomatoes rotting on the vine is like. I mean, oh my! Uh, you might as well just shoot Doug in the foot if you're going to tell him that. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's exciting though. Even for me, you know, I'm not a I'm not a green thumb, but I I get excited from a you know the biologist standpoint is all those different insects that we see. I mean, that's uh, there's so much to to look at in the garden and. It's more than just producing a, a, a vegetable. It's it's seeing all the different things that take advantage of the habitat that you're essentially providing, and that's that really uh, tickles me. I really enjoy seeing things like that. Well, that's music of, to my ears. One right of the there. plants that I uh, saw at your garden a couple of years ago was the borage, and how the bees just love the borage. Yes, and that's a lot what I plant on the edges. Um, it's self-seeding, as you know, so it, it tends to take over if you don't watch. But uh, yeah, that that borage is a nice plant that. that blooms long term uh the bees just love it i've got sage around the edge of the garden uh mints of course the mints i've managed to finally knock back and put them into a container because they take over but uh those all those are all great um i call them edge plants for me because they uh they you know i don't utilize them but they provide good habitat they're nice to look at when they bloom and the bees love them if somebody does want to become a beekeeper and they're interested in that, what kind of, where, where can they go to learn about that? What can they do, and how hard is it to become a beekeeper? Sure. Well, I'll, I'll start, answer your last question first. It's not hard to become a beekeeper. The difficult is the management aspect of it. It does take a lot of time. It does take a lot of effort. It's not something where you, like crocheting, where you can just pick it up, um, you know, put it down at your leisure. You do have to pay attention. These are animals um, and, and you don't ignore pets and you, you certainly wouldn't ignore your honeybees but uh, it does take you know some concentration in order to, to manage them but as far as where to start start with your local beekeeping club there's a number of uh, area beekeeping clubs um, nearby Berg Bees B-U-R-G-H Berg Bees is the uh, one for uh, closest to Pittsburgh they are very active in the area there's several others like the Westmoreland County Beekeeping Association in Westmoreland or I'm sorry Washington County so start with your local uh, association they could be uh, the information for their contact could be found by going to the Pennsylvania State Beekeepers Association website all of the local clubs are listed along with their phone numbers and emails and how to get in touch with those folks and of course many of them offer beekeeping classes and so you'll take a beekeeping class and uh, kind of learn the basics and hopefully team up with a mentor and as you folks both you know know that uh, mentoring is important you know being guided in the right direction what to use and what not to use um, it's, it's very very important in in all aspects uh, whether it's gardening or beekeeping so you can get a mentor and uh, it's a long steep learning curve but uh, it's very enjoyable. It's very entertaining. Um, Doug could tell you lots of stories from his uh, beekeeping career. Yeah, maybe and, you can uh, tell him how the bees were chasing me around when I was wearing my shorts. Yeah, was it shorts or a skirt? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> or how about the time that we first met that you got me hooked on bees? Yeah, I got Doug hooked by getting him stung on the nose right before he went to, went for a, a lecture somewhere. So, uh, yeah, it, it's fun. <laughs> and, of course, stinging is part of it, just like everything else. It, it has its um, advantages and disadvantages. But, yeah, 
I certainly encourage people that if it's something they have the time for, um, to take take a look into beekeeping and, and take it up if they can. It doesn't take a lot of room. Um, if you could have a garden, you could certainly have a beehive. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but as I tell people, you know, if you're if you're really looking to just save the bees, so to speak, uh, and you're not sure about beekeeping, then the the best thing you could do, or the best thing that anybody can do, is is plant some flowers that are beneficial for the pollinators. How long have you been caring for bees? Oh, since I was four. Um, my dad did it. We I grew up on a small hobby farm in Armstrong County. Uh, my parents. You know, we raised chickens and, and cows and horses and all that good stuff. We had bees and uh, kind of got out of it for a few years, but then got right back into it. And uh, now beekeeping has overtaken my um, my dad's place, and my mom yells at him about it because he spends most of his time beekeeping, but, of course, it keeps him out of the house, so she can't complain too much. But, uh, and how many hives are you responsible for? Myself, I'm responsible for roughly 150 colonies. I manage wow. uh, about 25 colonies for a client of mine, and then the rest are, are mine. I sell honey at the Swickley Farmer's Market, which is held uh, starting April 7th. It will be weekly at the St. James uh, Church parking lot. I'm there the last Saturday of every month selling my honey. And, of course, I'm always can be seen around, you know, checking on bees here and there, doing my thing, and staying busy with my uh, my big business, which pays for the hobby, of course. <laughs> well, Steve, thanks for getting up so early in the morning. We sure appreciate it, and sure appreciate appreciate everything that you're doing for the bees. Well, thank you guys for what you do. We always enjoy talking to you. Uh, happy Easter, everyone. Happy Passover, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon. All thanks, right, Steve. Steve. Yeah, that was that's good stuff. It is. He's such a great guy. And it's 150 uh, hives. I know. Well, that's what I'm thinking. I have thinking. trouble taking care of one. Because he has them all over the city, doesn't he? Oh, He's yeah. got them yeah, in got different them communities and uh, manages them for different people. So that's pretty cool. And I have to tell you, I am a loyal customer of his at the Swickley Farmer's Market. And my kid nothing loves. Like real, nothing like real honey. It is true. And he, uh, Steve always brings this uh, panel of honeycomb that has a colony of bees in it. And then the kids at the market love to come and find the queen because he always has the queen marked with a little mm -hmm. dot. And so it's a big contest for the kids to always want to find the queen in there. And then sometimes he has little stickers for them that say, I found the queen. remember that when you were a kid, anytime you got to see something like that, I mean, to see the bees do their thing is absolutely amazing. Steve works those hives without gloves. I mean, and he, he's got a good immunity then to yeah, this thing. He so. rarely gets stung because yeah. he's just like, you know, he's able to take care of those bees. He's just gentle and. He's and, the bee whisperer. Yeah. Whisperer. All right, listen, uh, we're going to take some calls. We've got some folks waiting to talk to uh, Doug and Jess in just a couple of moments. We've got to take a break, though, and get you ready for some headlines from CBS Radio News. And then right back to the Organic Gardeners. Again, the number to dial to be on the program, 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank Instant Access, kdkradio.com. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This Radio 1020 KDKA. All right, now listen, we're back. And, you know, as I mentioned, um, Coons Market coming up next hour. They're closed today for the Easter holiday. But we're going to be talking Easter traditions with Joe coming up. Uh, Frank enjoying the day off with his family. And you're going to be able to phone him with all your great traditions and recipes. That's coming up next hour. Then Heffron Tillotson, your money and you. Jim Meredith in the air chair today, along with Ray Ballantyne, Mary Ann Sievert in the Coons Market Black and Gold Sunday show. Right now, as we get back to Doug and Jess, before we get to the calls, I want to remind you, we got a gift certificate from Janana. 
Oskies. They're closed for this Easter Sunday, but the Garden Center and Gift Shop and Bakery, everything, back at it tomorrow, the Country Restaurant. But we're going to take the 10th caller right now to win a $25 gift certificate from Janoski's at 412-922-1020. And let's say good morning to Eleanor Allison Park, up first for Doug and Jess on the Organic Gardeners. Good morning, Eleanor. Welcome to KDK Radio. Good morning Radio. to all of you and listeners. Um, I am, am moving to an apartment in uh, in June or so, and it has a five-by-six raised bed um, at, you know, previously used. So I'm wondering how to prepare it. Well, good for you for inheriting a lovely little raised garden like that. That's terrific. You don't have to go through all the work of building it. Would you do a soil <laughs> test on a would you do a soil test on a little garden like um, that, or would you just add some compost? Yeah, I would say for a five by six bed for this first year, I wouldn't worry about a soil test. I would work on building the soil by adding some compost. So I would add maybe two to three inches of compost. Work that into the soil before you do your planting. If you should happen to have you know poor results. Small plants, low production, yellowing foliage, things like that. Then for the next season, I would go ahead and, and get a soil test. But I think for a small garden like that, the chances of there being a, you know, a major issue with the soil are, are pretty small. Um, so give it a go this year. Does it get lots of sun? Yes. Um, That's good. Mostly western sun, though, I'm thinking. Okay. Well, I, it's, it's there from midday on. That's good. Good. At least. What, yeah. are you, what are you thinking about growing in there? Well, actually, I wanted to take. Um, wait, well, can I ask one other question? Yeah. I know you've talked about putting down the ten layers of newspaper. Should I do that too? Because I don't know what kind of weeds may be in there. Or... Yeah, you certainly could do that. So after you add the compost to the soil and, and work it in there, then you can go ahead and add the 10 sheets of newspaper on top of it. And then uh, you could cover that with like some straw or um, uh, some other form of you know, shredded up leaves or something like that to hold the newspaper in place. And so you don't have to look at that newspaper and it won't blow away that way. Um, and then you can plant, you know, cut a hole in the newspaper and plant right through it. Yeah. And that will help with weeds. And that is true. You never know what you're inheriting as far as weeds go. So what's going in there? Well, actually, I wanted to put some perennials in. I've had, I'm sorry, rhubarb for 50 years, and I can't feature living without it. Good. That's great. That would be a great addition. Yeah. And and then also, it's not right outside my apartment. So, you know, um, not things that I would clip every day. I want herbs of, you know, garlic. Great. All right. I got a feeling you're going to put a couple more raised beds out there. Um, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks I so mean, much I for your get one. Right. Thanks Start so much with for your call one. and good luck with your garden. Keep us All po- right. keep us posted. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you so much. All right, let's go to Elizabeth up next for Doug and Jess calling today from Baden. Good morning. Welcome to KDK Radio, Elizabeth. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I have Holly actually three in a row. One is probably about six foot tall. And I was wondering how much and when can I trim this back? I'd really like to get it more under control, maybe down to five foot or so. 
Okay. Yeah. And that's certainly fine. Um, you don't want to remove any more than about one third of the total height or a width or width of a shrub like that at any one time. So if you're just going from six feet to five feet, that's certainly not a problem. Um, you can do pruning on hollies anytime through early winter all the way up through, I would say you'd want to do it by mid to late April. Um, and what's going to happen is when you do that pruning, you're going to generate some new growth, which could be a very good thing. And that will then um, encourage you to do a light pruning every year instead of having to do a really heavy pruning every couple of years. You really want to do a light pruning every year just to sh- keep it shapely. Sure. Okay. All right, thank you. Thank you're you. welcome. All right. Still waiting for more calls for Doug and Jess on this Easter Sunday. We would love to hear from you at 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank Instant Access, KDKRadio.com. Best time to prune pear trees. Now. Uh, yeah, we're right at it before, <laughs> you know, before they start to butt out. Uh, yeah, we should talk about pruning in general because I know that you're sore from pruning yesterday. Uh, my head, it's <laughs> funny because, you know, you, you forget that you haven't done any pruning or anything like that for all these winter months. And my hand, my palm, the muscles in my palm are super sore. I was out pruning yesterday, uh, cut down my ornamental grasses, and then I do still have some more fruit pr- fruit tree pruning to do. This is really late for me. Usually yeah. I prune my fruit trees in February or early March, but still I, time though. Yeah, still I didn't get, get around get to it. But yeah. as far as you know, I wanted to ask you for those of us that are keeping our grasses up and our perennials up uh, to try and help the the native bees. When do we cut that stuff back? Yeah, normally I say suggest waiting until the temperatures, the daytime temperatures are consistently in the 50s because that's usually when all so those July. Little, no, no. <laughs> all those little hibernating insects have have sort of come out of their winter rest, including many of our native pollinators. So I usually like to wait. Typically it's early to mid-April, but we've had a really bizarre year weather-wise. So I would hold off for a little bit longer if you can. Uh, like I said, I went out and cut down my ornamental grasses because I know they're going to start growing soon and I don't want to end up trimming off any of that new growth as I cut them back so I did cut those back but you know hold off as long as you can especially my in the back I have a pollinator garden and I leave that stand as long as possible and then when I do cut it back I cut the stems of the plants back to about 12 inches instead of all the way down to the ground because that stubble those little hollow stems that stubble is wonderful habitat like those little native bees love to go down into the tunnel of those uh you know bee balm stems and cone flowers and things like that so i leave that stubble stand uh, the exciting thing for me is i i planted so many different weird bulbs that i don't know what the flowers are when they're blooming <laughs> i'm trying to figure out one it i don't really? know what it, yeah i don't know what it is i i bought you know uh, old house gardens mm-hmm. uh, has heirloom bulbs, and at the end of the season, they have this thing called a Dutch auction, where every day whatever bulbs are left get cheaper and cheaper until they're gone. So you don't know quite when to buy them, but it's like, and you don't know what you're going to get. No, you know exactly what you're going to oh, get. Oh, okay, okay. But you just don't know if, like, if you wait one day, it, it could be, be off the website the next day. So I just started adding these things that I didn't really know much about. I just have to go back and find my records, <laughs> figure out what it is. I was going to send you a picture of it. I have no idea what it is. Huh. It's like, it's a really beautiful little white flower with purple, with blue stripes. Uh, and it's only about three inches tall. It kind of looks like a... It's a Pushkinia, maybe. Maybe. It kind of looks like a little hyacinth. Yeah, it's a Pushkinia, probably. Yeah. Uh, maybe about six inches Not tall. Not even that tall. Not even that tall. Not half that. I'll, we'll look up a picture and we'll, we'll right. look it up and see. All but right. that, it's a great little ball. It's just fun. Yeah. You know, uh, it's just fun to grow something different. I, I just love to grow these these different things. And 
my uh, tomato bed that I put all that manure on last uh, winter, or a- actually last fall, has all the uh, bulbs coming up through it, and they look amazing. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's all weeds. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, it's all, it's all, you know, for my tomato beds, what I do is I plant bulbs in the fall. Mm-hmm. And then tomatoes in there because uh, it's not it's no till so yeah. Uh, but yeah I you know like I said I really wanted to have a better year with my tomatoes this year you know when I hear Steve talking about how he had a great tomato year and he he was just too busy to even work on it you know uh, I've got to do a better job with my tomatoes and and uh, what was the one from Renee's oh uh, Tasmanian chocolate t- tomato I planted. oh fun so you can. I'll always have a couple plants for you. I know you you like to get your plants started, but I always have a couple I try to get you to. to I won't turn them down. How's that? You will. You (laughs) will because you have everything planted. I won't turn them down. There's always space. There's always room for more. Coming back with more calls in a moment. Stay with us. Good morning. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This Radio 1020, KDKA. All right, let's get right back to the phones with Doug and Jess on the Organic Gardeners. It's Fran. Fran in Mount Lebanon. Welcome to KDK Radio. Good morning, Fran. Hi. Um, I have a question about, a friend of mine gave me a, I think it's pronounced Mandevia mm-hmm. plant. Mm-hmm. And she had had it outside and wanted, I have a sunroom, so I brought it in. Um, it's looking nice and healthy, except that it gets these um, gray or, yeah, kind of gray, um, I don't want to say bugs. It's more like a mold or something on it. <clears throat> I wash it, and it goes away, and then it comes back. So I was wondering if you had any hints as to what I can do to get rid of that. Describe that mold. Is it fuzzy along the stems? Is it on the leaves? What like- does it look like? It's not on the leaves. It's along the stems, and it is kind of fuzzy. Okay. I can take my uh, thumb and scrape it off, but then it just comes back again. Okay. Yeah. So you probably have mealybugs on there, which do, they look a lot like little tufts of cottony mold. So okay. I hear you on it looking like mold. And the fact that you're wiping it off and then it returns again tells me that when you're wiping it off, it's not getting rid of all of the eggs or even some of the young nymphs. They can really find their way into the cracks and crevices of the leaf nodes and things like that. And then they're very uh, big challenge to get rid of. The good news is once the weather warms up and we hit mid-May and you get to take that plant back outside, most of the time the ladybugs and the lacewings and the other beneficial bugs really come and they chow down on those mealybugs and they keep them in check. So they are not so problematic outside as they are indoors where there's no natural enemies. Um, Personally, I would continue to wipe them off as you are. You could also use a very um, horticultural oil. Uh, I would not mix anything up in your kitchen or anything like that. I would use a commercial preparation of horticultural oil, which is safe to use indoors. Uh, Take it to the bathtub. Spray the upper and lower leaf surfaces all along the stems. Um, with that, and that will help smother those mealybugs as well. But, um, you know, it's if, if you don't mind taking the time to wipe them off whenever they start to become, you know, too many and the plant gets overwhelmed, that's certainly a very effective way of, of getting rid of them until you take the plant outside. And, and you're going to have fun with that plant in the summer because that thing is going to go crazy once you get it out uh, there. Yeah, they're beautiful, the, but I yeah. just thought I, I don't want it to die while it's waiting to get outside. Well, luckily, <laughs> mealybugs aren't, aren't that big of a deal, and it sounds like you're doing a good Absolutely. job taking care of them. Okay, well, now, horticultural oil, if I go that way, do I just go to a gardener and ask for that? Yeah, I would go to a lo- one of our local garden centers and talk to them about it, um, okay. and they will know exactly what so you're talking all, about. All yep. mixed up in a little spray jar, too, for you if you want to do it that way. 
Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. It's good to know it'll be okay once I get it outside. Yep, yep. it'll be perfectly happy to be back outdoors. All right, lots of text messages. Bought some beautiful potted tulips from Brinkles yesterday. Can I transplant them now? Yeah, we, we talked a little bit about that earlier. And, you know, especially with tulips, of all the things that we get that way, it's, you know, you have nothing to lose by, you know, once the foliage starts to kind of die back by planting them. But odds are they're not going to make it. They're not going to come back for you, especially tulips. But if you've got a space for them and you want to give it a, a try, wouldn't it be wonderful if the next spring you got tulips blooming? I'm asking you. It would be wonderful. Okay. That's why I'm looking at <laughs> I you. I didn't know if that was a rhetorical question or, or, or one you actually want an answer to. You know, a question that I actually think about quite a bit. Two-year-old bobo hydrangea, ladies and gentlemen. How should I prune it? Don't. Okay. Never. Yeah, that, never. Would, that would be a boo-boo then. Whether that would be a boo-boo <laughs> prune bobo. Whether it's a bobo or an Annabelle Who or comes a up with these Whirl names? or a PG or a whatever oh. hydrangea, really, hey, boo-boo. you know, the, the the question about hydrangea pruning is always when and how much, and our answer is almost always don't. Never. Uh, because unless you know exactly the variety and whether it blooms on old or new wood, you risk cutting off of that the, you know, this coming year's flowers. So don't prune it at all. The only time I say go ahead and prune is if it's like growing over your walkway or really, you know, restricting your movement through the through the garden, then you can go ahead and prune it. But otherwise, just let them be. Let them do their thing. Hey, boo-boo, I want to pick a basket. All right, folks, okay, from, from a bobo to a monkey. Construction company tearing down a row of monkey ball trees, well over 100 years old. I saved one of them last fall and froze it. How do I plant it? Please help. Thank you, Nancy. Oh, I don't even know. The Osage Yeah, orange. yeah, yeah. No, I know. I think it's funny that we've had monkey balls and bobos and all kinds of crazy <laughs> happenings this morning on, on this Easter morning. Um, yeah, so the Osage oranges, I have never grown them from seed. I do believe... Mm, I'd have to look this up, but I think that they'll only germinate if that fruit ferments. I think it's the fermentation process of the mm. fruit that causes the dormancy to break of the, in the seeds inside. So I'm putting them in the freezer was probably actually a good thing because that will, you know, mimic the natural winter that it passes through. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to have to do a little bit of research on that. When I was growing up, I don't know. Uh, we used to fight with those things, throwing right? at they're each other. And they hard. really, they really hurt. Yeah. Let me uh, do a little it, research. I'm going to get back to you Is it true that. that they uh, repel spiders? Or no. is that a... Well, you know, it's interesting because people will put them like on their windowsills in the basement and things like that. Mm-hmm. And there actually was some research done at, I think it was the University of Tennessee where they looked at that. But the only thing it repelled was like in that exact corner where All that right, was You sitting. look it up and I'm going to talk okay. about what I got coming up here. So okay. Saturday, 11 a.m., Penn Hills Lawn and Garden. Getting started early in the garden. Uh, I've got lots of stuff to give away there. It's absolutely free, uh, but you should sign up so you can get a seat. It's uh, 412-241-0411. And then Sunday, I will be at the Butler Home Show at 2 p.m., and that's absolutely free. That's at the Family Sports Center on Route 68. I have free seeds courtesy of John Sheeper's Kitchen Garden Seeds, and I tell you, I can't wait to get started. Super easy, okay. apparently. I guess you um, can't wait to get started on your Osage Orange. Right, I know, and this is according to uh, the University of Kentucky's website. Um, super easy, you do have to let the fruit rot, and then you, you can dig out the seeds from the rotten fruit, so have fun with that. Uh, they, do, they need uh, darkness to germinate, so simply just plant the seeds after it goes through that winter and that's it back to wrap it up next 
Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. News Radio 1020, KDKA. Hey, congratulations, Pat from Squirrel Hill, winner of that gift certificate to Janoski's. And it's just about time to let Doug and Jez head home for the holiday to enjoy it with friends and family. I want to remind you of CBS Radio News next. And then Joe Dentici and I talking all of your favorite Easter dinner and, of course, traditions on the Coons Cooking Hour. Doug, Jess. I can't wait to eat uh, that great stuff. Remember, the organic gardeners always aim to create a better place to garden. And a safer place to live. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.